Good Monday afternoon, everyone. It is uh, the Inspired Wild podcast, and Trevin is not able to be here today. He is actually with his daughter doing a volleyball tournament, President's Day weekend volleyball tournament. So uh, instead of Trevin, you get me. Uh, my name is Garrett. I'm one of the producers for Outback Outdoors Television, and finally made it work with a really good friend, Brady White. We've been trying to do this for a while now. Yes, Finally indeed, got it. indeed. So we're at Brady's home here in Northwest Denver and uh, want to catch up on life, want to go over a few things uh, with the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. And that's how you and I first met was through the Denver chapter yeah. of the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. Yep, it sure was. You were helping us videotape some of our banquets and some of the conservation efforts that we have and uh, mm-hmm. just did an amazing job. I appreciate that. that. Yeah. I enjoy it. It's fun. Yeah. It's a good group of people. Um, met a lot of people I'm still friends with mm-hmm. and still in contact with. Oh, yeah. They're just salt of the earth. I agree. Absolutely I amazing. T- how long have you been involved? I was looking at it the other day. It's going on eight years. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Just, uh, you know, then had some health stuff and work stuff. Had to step away for a while. Mm-hmm. And then, back this will be my fourth year as the denver chairman nice yep yep well, i appreciate the way that you run it i think you do a good job you uh, you're aware of everyone's time and the fact that everyone's volunteers mm-hmm. that help out with that so you make things run efficiently and kind of hold a level of professionalism yeah as well so well, i thank you i enjoy it i i like this so i know we uh you know most of the people that volunteer for us as you know they're They've got other jobs, you know, and family commitments and and whatnot, but they believe in in what we do and and why we do it. You know, it's all about, um, I hope it doesn't sound corny, but it's it's all about our mission, you know, which is to ensure the future of elk, other wildlife, their habitat, or our hunting heritage, Mm -hmm. you know, meaning getting the youth out. Right, getting them outdoors, getting them involved, getting them away from electronics and being plugged in and, uh, you know, unplugging for a while and having good experiences. Right. And they, like you said, on the mission to ensure the habitat of wildlife, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's the Elk Foundation that's in the name, but there's so much more that the Elk Foundation does to bolster wildlife species, plant species, habitat, Mm -hmm. ecosystems. Mm -hmm. it's not just elk yep. anymore. I've always appreciated that. Yeah, one. it's amazing how it's all intertwined, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some other great organizations out there too, you know, that we're partnering with on a lot of efforts. And, um, you know, a lot of us have similar missions, you know, involving, you know, certain species or another. But at the end of the day, it's all about, um, you know, ensuring we have a future of, of hunting or fishing, you mm-hmm. know, or being able to enjoy while you're out hiking, you know, whatever oh, for it sure. might be. Yep. And the Elk Foundation is good at opening up pu- pri- what was private land mm-hmm. and now it's accessible to yeah. everyone, to yeah. all the public. So even if you don't have uh, immediate interest in elk or elk hunting, which I think is what kind of draws a lot of us and probably a lot of the audience yeah. of this podcast to it, mm-hmm. everyone every resident of the United States has a benefit that the Elk Foundation provides. Oh yeah, provides. I mean, it's truly amazing what the RMEF in particular are focused on of of providing those opportunities again for the youth, but also, as you mentioned, expanding and, uh, and opening up 
areas where they've been closed, yep. you know. So we work closely with uh, a lot of um, landowners that might want to donate their land to the state. And we act as kind of a middleman, a go-between mm-hmm. to, to make that happen so that, you know, you hear of conservation easements. And, and we are instrumental in, uh, in, in making that happen. There was just a new area that opened up north of Steamboat. Uh, I, I forget the exact name. It's something like Stagecoach. That sounds familiar. Arena, I think like you're right. That. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was a closed off area. And we worked with a, a landowner. And next thing you know, we've got a way for, for hunters to to access thousands of acres that was previously closed off to them. Yep. Yep. You know. And so, so maybe the next podcast if I get out there I'll let you We can know. do that for sure. <laughs> and I think the Elk Foundation is very strategic in what they approach and what they want to open up and that uh, if you have two thousand acre parcels and one of those thousand acre parcels gives access to say another twenty thousand a public that previously previously wasn't there. Mm-hmm. I think the Elk Foundation tends to go towards the thousand acres that will open up even more. Oh yeah, absolutely. And so I like how strategic yeah. they are throughout yeah, all that. Yeah, and they're looking for, you know, there's limited resources, right? I mean, that's what a lot of what we do. You know, we have these fundraisers every year to raise money for our mission, and mm-hmm. but there's limited resources, so they have to analyze, you know, what projects they want to go after, what what uh, areas make sense to get involved with, and. Um, and make sure that we put those resources to good use. No, I totally agree. Let's focus on, let's circle back quick and look at the funding and how they have the funds to achieve their mission. And I get the sense that a lot of people know the national approach from the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. But I guess what I'd like your take on is, what does the local approach look like? How can people get involved in that? What are the the events that the local chapter is involved with and then how does that branch into the more national mission sure sure and thanks for asking that so um every year we have a a fundraiser banquet and most if not all of the chapters in the united states have there's like 500 chapters Mm -hmm. in the states there's 26 i believe here in colorado so we have uh, we have these fundraiser banquets. Ours happens to be on March 28th this year here in Denver at the Stapleton Renaissance oh, nice. Hotel. Coming up pretty soon. Yeah, yeah, right around the corner. So we're busy planning for that. You know, we we have a, a great team of volunteers. You know that that plan everything from you know the the meals, signing people up, ticketing. Um, the various raffles that we have all kinds of really fun fun ways to for people to to spend their money right <laughs> for sure and so we have specialty raffles yep. we're raffling off you know a firearm or a really cool optic or a safe or a hunting trip you mm-hmm. know something like that um and then we have a live auction where we have really really good um hunts a lot of hunts fishing we, trips we have fishing stuff, trips yeah. we have um, a lot of great merchandise mm-hmm. you know that's going to be raffled off or auctioned off then we have the silent auction you know it's kind of a middle tier of of some of the items that uh, that we have and then we have a general raffle which you know is is more of the the uh, the lower tier of of the item yep. but 
We have mm. bonus raffle items in that where people could win some really great things as well. Yeah, everyone from every walk of life mm -hmm. is invited. Yeah, and there's something for everyone. In oh there. yeah, it's yeah. We, just... we we'll have a lot of your corporate types, you know, that mm -hmm. are there, and some of the bigger spenders. And then we've got, uh, you know, blue collar workers, you know, yep. that that are there. Yep. We try to cater to everybody. So, so what we do, um, we have these banquets. A lot of planning goes into it, and then the night of, you know, doors open at four thirty. And ticket prices are $75 for a single ticket. And then you can get a friends and family table for 1000 mm -hmm. And you get a bunch of uh, raffle tickets along with that. And then we got a couple of different layers for corporate sponsorships as well. And the goal is to basically raise as much money as we can. You know, it's, again, all goes toward our, our national office in Missoula. And from there... From all the chapters that have all these fundraiser banquets, um, Missoula helps determine what kind of projects they want to get mm -hmm. associated with, where some of the money might go in individual states. Uh, here in Colorado, we'll partner with uh, U.S. Forest Service, uh, National uh, or the uh, State Parks and Wildlife. Yep, Colorado Parks Colorado, and Wildlife. Colorado Parks and Wildlife. And because a lot of people, you know, apply for funding for various projects and and we have a day where they all get together and the various teams and determine which ones they want to fund. And the RMF, you know, we'll, we'll put uh, thousands of dollars toward each one. I'll just give you an idea of here in Colorado where some of the money gets spent. Um, we have conserved or enhanced 468,000 acres of land. Nice. Uh, we've done 784 conservation projects. We have opened up, we're talking about Hunter mm -hmm. Access, we've opened up over 122,000 acres of land. It's quite a bit, oh, quite yeah. a bit of land there. Yeah. And getting the youth involved, again, the, the hunting heritage aspect, uh, we had 134 projects you know, since we've been mm -hmm. uh, operating. So this is the 23rd year that we've had one of these fundraiser banquets. Nice. So over the years, our total amount of effort for here in Colorado is over $177 million. Wow. That's all of the chapters in Colorado. That's awesome. Specifically for Denver, we have uh, raised over $2.7 over those years. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. That's really so cool. So it's a great mission. So, you know, again, the RMEF, you know, Missoula as, as our national headquarters, they help funnel the money back to the states where a lot of the, um, you know, state wildlife agencies use that money for their own individual projects that, you know, help determine where they want to focus, you know, their efforts. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. I think as, I mean, we're going to start applying for tags here pretty soon. And I know I've got it in the back of my mind, like, where am I going to apply? What am I going to look for in terms of an area and a hunting experience? And I know a lot of guys, especially here in Colorado, where you have over-the-counter tags available for elk, they get frustrated with the number of other trucks mm -hmm. that are in the parking lot. Sure. And I think Colorado specifically is going to run into or already has run into the issue of Sat, being saturated, oversaturated by the number of hunters out there. And it's, you know, basic supply and demand. Right. And I think what the Elk Foundation is doing with some of these other uh, wildlife conservation 
organizations are doing is they're increasing the supply, right? Like you're opening up more acreage that people can go on. Mm -hmm. and, and I think if you look over time, hunters are going to get frustrated with right. it. You know, right. if, if there's 20, 30 trucks in every parking lot that they go to, who knows how best, many people are going to- A lot of orange, yep. uh, blaze orange you exactly. see in the forest, right? Well, you, when you think about it, you know, we've, as again, we've, we've opened up over 122,000 acres that were not available before. Yep. That's, that's yep. a lot of acres. Think how much more crowded it would be yeah. without that. Right, right. For sure. And I, I want to touch on to the banquet itself. That is run basically off the backs of volunteers. There's, there's maybe one paid staff member there who's mm -hmm. a regional right. manager. Um, yep. Other than that, it's all volunteer it's all time. Volunteers, it's all right, and what, right. what are the the night of the banquet? How many volunteers on average do you think are there? Yeah, so good question. I've got um, my, on my committee. I probably have twenty to twenty five active members, mm -hmm. and then I've got kind of a smaller steering committee, a core group, you know, that that help uh, help guide and and uh, lead the whole effort. And then the night of the bank, we've got a lot of people that, you know, want to step in and just help uh, set up and maybe sell raffle tickets or or run, uh, you know, live auction merchandise or, you know, be a Vanna White, you know, and, and walk Show through the crowd off. holding up yep. the yep. whatever we're auctioning yep. on. So there's so many, so many roles that, that people can play. So we probably have another 20, you know, mm -hmm. to step up and or, or we need another 20. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every year Always it's, it's a little help. different. And, and it's not, it's not complicated work no. at all. It's yeah. very simple. And I think most people are there to be friendly and, yeah. and make it a real nice social oh, yeah. event. We have a great time and it helps that we serve free beer, you know. Always uh, helps. <laughs> Can <laughs> well, I say it, that again? We serve free beer <laughs> at right. the banquet. Uh, <laughs> but it is, uh, from the last couple of years that I've been at the banquet, it is a big social event. Like there's some guys there that, the only time I see them is at that banquet mm -hmm. and you spend 20, 25 minutes catching up. And yeah. like you, you mentioned the friends and family table, so you can get a bunch of people together that you just want to have a real good, enjoyable evening. Oh with. yes, absolutely. And it's a great meal that the Renaissance, they've, they've renovated that hotel and I think they spent 11 million oh, on, wow. on that. Yeah. That's a huge, huge. It's amount. a cool atmosphere. Yeah. You kind of like you, when you walk in above the escalators, you kind of look down and it's just kind of, you know, canvassing mm -hmm. the whole lower level. We just kind of take, up. we take that over for quite a while. Yeah, we do, man. And we have a great time. You know, people are, are just really, um, I said earlier, salt of the earth. And, you know, what do I mean by that? Well, they're just down to earth people that, that value conservation, that value what we are trying to achieve mm -hmm. and, you know, value having a good time right? While they're doing it. Oh, I agree. So, you know, so some of us are motivated by, um, you know, they want to get boots on the ground, right? They want to get dirty in the summer and go uh, remove uh, barbed wire mm -hmm. that doesn't need to, to, you know, be in the woods anymore and, and get animals caught up in it. And yep. we have a couple of huge projects, you know, for that, right? So to get people outdoors and give them that outlet, you know, and really give back that way. And then we have others that that uh, just want to show up at the on banquet night and help sell some raffle tickets and 
and others are intimately involved in the planning of the bank because mm-hmm. you know it's 500 plus people going to be there and it takes a lot of planning and coordination and and uh, it's a team effort you know i, I kind of lead the team but it is a team effort. Yeah, everyone has their roles and yeah. they, uh, it all has to work seamlessly. And that's what I try have tried to do over the last few years is, you know, have have areas of expertise, you know, where people can focus on where, you know, they might have a certain talent in that area and kind of build on that talent. Um, but, you know, give them leadership role and, and, you know, hopefully that'll translate into, you know, leading, uh, you know, more on their job because mm-hmm. you know, most of us are working. You know, or leading in their in their family life or whatever. So I just try to add those uh, life skills to to what they already have. You know, in their hip pocket. And you're welcoming of anyone that wants to come in and oh, help sure. out if you if you want to be a part of it. And you, you know, something that's maybe a little bit greater than yourself. Yeah, come in and. Yep. So we're put some we're right in. on the right in the middle of of you know trying to tie everything together because again our banquet is is next month. So we have two more meetings. Uh, we're going to be meeting tomorrow night, uh, which Tuesday the 18th, uh, 6.30 at the Parks and Wildlife uh, headquarters mm-hmm. office off of Broadway in the what they call the Bighorn Room. And then we have a meeting uh, the following t- two Tuesdays from there. I think that's March the 3rd, if I remember. And that's going to be the same place. So anybody's welcome to come there. And then... Um, you know, again, if, if people want to learn more about opportunities, you know, for the summer and we have some fun get togethers, you know, just some social activities. Right. Uh, I'm working with some of our, our local uh, donors, some of the, the bigger debt donors that we have. And we have what they call a meetup group as a social, um, social, what do they call those, uh, like Facebook you know, social oh, networking, sure, right? sure. Yeah. but it's called meetup as uh, the name of the, the social thing. And ours is Rocky mountain, um, conservation, Denver area. So we try to work with the, the sponsors that, that, uh, that give us, you know, really substantial items and they may have a seminar at their work and you're showing what they do, whether it's Kafaru gear or one shot, uh, gear, you know, with, with talking about um, uh, backcountry uh, camping, sure, right? Sure. Talking about how to harvest an animal and, and get it and out using a kafaru pack. Gotcha. Um, so you're giving the sponsors a platform to kind of relate what they do, but exactly. then you're also have a bunch of like-minded people that want to learn more about it. Yeah. Yep. So it's a win-win. Really cool. I mean, they yeah. give a great educational sponsorship, some hands-on stuff. You know, uh, Zeiss Optics, I just met with uh, their director of marketing and, uh, you know, we're going to be working closely with them on some kind of sponsorships for for uh, for the summer. Oh, very cool. So, yeah. Cool. It is cool. Awesome. Um, we mentioned the purchase of land, opening up land to the public. Um, you mentioned getting kids involved. Um, one other aspect of the elk foundation we can touch on that's going to be very you know near and dear to your heart my heart because we're colorado residents is the elk foundation takes a very active role in introduction of wolves Mm -hmm. and predator management and all wildlife management in general and i think um the introduction of 
the forced introduction of wolves yeah, in right. the Colorado right. is definitely, you know, in the front of our minds right now <clears> because that's a, a very hot topic and something that's being pushed on us. Do you want to spend some time and kind of dive into sure, that? Sure, sure. So this, I, I know this is a kind of a hot topic item for some people and and if if we can um and, and i have to be careful here i'm not necessarily speaking for the rmef mm -hmm. right because yep. i'm a volunteer and they have kind of a hierarchy that that does that but we are intimately involved with several other organizations um and what what we've done is we've banded together and it's called coloradans protecting wildlife and what what we do is we just want to educate people. You know, there's a there's a ballot initiative that's going to be on the ballot this year. Uh, there were enough signatures, you know, where where they were able to to force that on the ballot. It's called Initiative 107, and it's basically going to be a measure to forcibly introduce wolves into Colorado's western slope. Right mm -hmm. now, it, it's I think a pipe dream to think that they're going to remain on the western slope. You know, how long before they follow the natural progression of right. elk migrations and herd? Next thing you know, they're in Nestus Park, yep. you know. And, yep. and we've seen the, the, the decimation of elk herds and other wildlife in other states. You know, you look at the Yellowstone herd, went from 22,000 animals down to less than 8,000 over the course of a few years, you know, once the wolves were introduced there. So we, we want to educate um, the public and what does it mean when we talk about forcibly introducing the gray wolves, which is one of the highest apex predators, mm -hmm. uh, into, into a land that's really not quite as, as conducive for that kind of apex predator when, when it already, you know, the wildlife already has a bunch of stressors put on there. You know, we're, meaning the Rocky Mountain Earth Foundation, we're working with Colorado Parks and Wildlife right now because we, we have funded or helped fund a study where we can look at the cow-calf ratio for elk in the southwest part of the state uh, because it's below object, way below objective, mm -hmm. right? And we're trying to find out why is that and what can we do to help turn that around, right? We're, you're talking about introducing wolves on top of that? It, it doesn't take rocket science to figure right. out what, and I've always what that may do. I've always appreciated the Elk Foundation's approach to let's just gather information. Let's take a scientific approach. Let's mm -hmm. rely on what the biologists know, what they study, what, and that's their job, mm -hmm. and that's what their training is, instead of taking the approach, I think, of some of these other groups where they just want to put it on a ballot and put it up to a vote. Mm -hmm. you know, for public. So I do appreciate that aspect of the Elk Foundation. Right. And and that is an awesome point because that's that's truly, you know, if we can let the, the professionals figure this out, and they actually already have, you know, Parks and Wildlife, I believe they, they looked and they studied this, this issue three different times over the past two decades. Mm -hmm. uh, the most recent being, I believe, just last year, <clears throat> and they they came out and basically said they did not believe that forced reintroduction of wolves into Colorado was a good idea, okay? Um, and that's the professionals that are paid, you know, wildlife biologists 
and know this intimately and passionately, but also unpassionately. You know, they look at the data and they right. they figure out right. what what works, what doesn't. You know, what what may uh, what may happen if if this were to come to be, rather than uh, put it on the ballot and and um, you know let the public uh, have their say. Now, I think there's a time and a place for that, but you know, I saw a great article by uh, Beaupre. Bob Opre, I believe his name was, who ran for governor a few years mm-hmm. ago, and his point was uh, this: this this um, ballot initiative could potentially drive even a further wedge between uh, the urban areas of Colorado, which, by and large, seem to be uh, heavily in favor of this yeah. force yeah. introduction, yeah. versus the rural areas. That would have to deal with the forced yeah, it's in their backyard, exactly. so to speak, especially on the western slope. Yeah. You know the the ranchers, the the folks that raise livestock, mm-hmm. um, that are truly the you know the true conservationists. You know, and and on the front line, so to speak. Uh, so I, th- I thought that was a very interesting article mm-hmm. of you know the 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 wedge, the further wedge that. Yep, would uh, I agree, and that and that kind of speaks to. Um, to me personally, like, uh, so I grew up in Wisconsin, quite a ways away from here. And there was a reintroduction of wolves that happened there. And just this past winter on the property that I grew up on, my parents still live there on 80 acres and they've got six horses out in the back, um, just across the road. So 200 yards away from where the horse pasture is, we had a trail camera out, caught a wolf eating or dragging a eight point buck wow. that was dead. And uh, within a day or two, my dad was out there mm-hmm. feeding the horses mm-hmm. and there was a wolf track like mm-hmm. running right along the pasture yeah, fence. Yeah. And that, that has a very different meaning when you literally see it. Like mm-hmm. it is there and it's present. Sure. I th- and wolves are very good at staying, you know, away and staying, um, you know, in part being unseen, unnoticed, like they're good at that. But when there's evidence there, um, you think about it. Yeah, it's it's very yeah. very drastic. Especially at that when you've got so, livestock or or family. Yeah, you know. And so for the people that are on the west slope, and now all of a sudden, it's not a natural migration mm-hmm. of a wolf into their landscape. It is with rather abundant numbers instantaneously set there mm-hmm. right um, right i feel and, for them and, and that's actually that's a great point because again the scientists and the biologists that work for Colorado parks and wildlife they're not for the forced introduction of wolves but they basically say if if they migrate into colorado then we have a a plan to deal with them and manage them Mm -hmm. like other wildlife and that plan is based on other experiences yep you know in history that states have done so it's not like they're just winging it they've Mm -hmm. got a you know a baseline to go off of yep but let's talk about a little little bit about the um the funding for this ballot initiative it wasn't funded locally by people here in colorado it's some um nefarious group in california forget their name it escapes me at the moment but it's one of those George Soros funded okay. efforts, okay. right? And we all know how much money 
He has. Yes. Right? Yep. So it's, it's uh, you know, people that aren't necessarily living here that uh, have have that intimate knowledge and respect of the land and the culture that we do here uh, for folks like us that reside here. Um, so that's that's a concern. On the other hand, you look at the states where it has been uh, forcibly mm-hmm. introduced and what happens? You know, the objectives are met, the objectives are then surpassed, yep. And then instead of allowing the state wildlife officers to manage that wolf population like they should, these, um, these extremist environmental groups start uh, hindering that management by one lawsuit after another, after another, yeah. after another. So yeah. all of a sudden years go by, the wolves are steadily increasing in population and count. And it costs money then to to manage that as far as the uh, the predation amount of money that's being spent for for um, livestock mm-hmm. that's been killed slaughtered mind you by these wolves um, it's in the millions and the staff that it takes uh, in idaho i think they've got 13 staff that are dedicated don't hold me to that number i just read this um, but I think that's accurate, of staff that's dedicated to managing this issue because they finally were able to <clears throat> to manage the wolves, and they actually have a bounty on them. Somebody was telling me there was like a $1,000 really? per head bounty on, on some because they're such a nuisance, again. Yeah. Right? And that's taking away funding sources for other projects. Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. there's a but, finite amount of money yeah, there. Yeah, but again, it... It uh, is decimating the elk herds, you know, the deer herds. Um, I think it killed the last of the caribou in Idaho. Hmm. So it's it's a it's a huge issue. It's a huge issue, and you know, I get the romance of the wolves, you know, and I'm I wouldn't mind seeing them, you know, somewhere out uh, out and about, but not necessarily here in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think. Uh, I still fall back on how much I appreciate the Elk Foundation's take on this, where we're going to look at this scientifically mm-hmm. and from an ecosystem and biological approach right. and not an emotional and, like you said, yep. kind of a... Yep. And, and we're joining forces. You know, again, this is not just the RMEF. You know, this group that comprises the Coloradans Protecting Wildlife. Um, and by the way, the website is Rethink Wolves dot com rethinkwolves.com we get a lot more information about what what this actually is but there are you know more than a handful of of uh, agriculture livestock organizations and conservation groups that have all banded together and and said it's not a good idea mm-hmm. and by the way there are 20 plus counties here in Colorado that have all formally said they don't want yeah. that to happen here in Colorado. So it's going to be an interesting. Uh, I'm assuming Denver fight. and Boulder is not included in that oh, list yeah, of counties. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and unfortunately, that's where most of the ballot signatures, yes, you know, were gathered. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and where a lot of the votes are going to sure, come from. Sure, sure. I was at a uh, at a seminar that 
the senator from uh, Montana that's kind of leading this effort. You know, again, funded by George Soros, mm-hmm. and that's who's paying his salary. Uh, he was he was given a presentation up at uh, uh, University of Denver, I believe, and you know he had his arguments for why it was a great idea, this, that, and the other, and of course. The, the people that were signing the petition, you know, they were all there in force and trying to get everybody's signature. But at the end of the, the presentation, they allowed some questions. And uh, myself and another partner works with us, American Heroes in Action. Oh, yep. Right? Yep. I Dave know that. Prophet. Yep. I know Dave. Uh, we got up there and we were able to ask him some questions that, of course, he, he wasn't going to answer truthfully. Basically, <clears throat> You know, can you guarantee that if if the wolves uh, were forcibly introduced and management plans were developed, that you or any other uh, extreme environmental groups would not file a lawsuit, mm-hmm. right? And he, he, you can see why some of these people are politicians. You know, <laughs> just <laughs> never answered the question. Yeah. A lot of hot air and, yeah. and whatnot. But well, that's unfortunate. But- it is. I mean, it's at our doorstep. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. here. It's, uh, and it's, and they're actually already here. There was two weeks ago. Yep. There was a pack that confirmed. was fired up in the northwest. Mm-hmm. It was just confirmed. That's right by DNA analysis. So they're already here. Why do they need to be forcibly introduced? Right. That's the bottom line. Just like I a think. more of a slow natural migration. Mm-hmm. I, you know, yep. it gives the, the landscape the other. You know the other predators prey right. a time yep. to adjust and and if that happens then let the professionals that manage all of our other wildlife deal with managing them mm-hmm. you know i agree but that won't happen that's that's the problem it might not it might not um so we so we touched on the wolf issue we talked on some of the other events um the the local elk foundation like you mentioned the denver chapter here specifically works a lot with youth events you mentioned some of those like could you give an example or some ideas of sure. what those events sure. look like so <clears throat> when i first started this uh this role as as chairman we had um you know we had a pretty good youth program right and and the people that came before me you know knew how important it was to to get youth active and engaged mm-hmm. but I think we built on that. And so what we have now is uh, we have some great opportunities for them. So whereas before we had maybe some pellet guns that were were given to 10 new youth that were going to be at the banquet, we've got that. But in addition, we've got a firearm, might be two this year, that we can raffle off to the youth. Uh, we've got, you know, a bow uh, or two. You know, again, nice. this is, the, the people hear about this and they want to get involved. Um, and we've got probably six or seven hunts that are that are geared toward the youth, either first time, right, or, or you know, or not, mm-hmm. and uh, that we can p- bring a friend. So... We've got an outfitter, uh, for instance, in um, Bull Basin, the Bull Basin Outfitters, that they've donated three combination of cow, elk, and doe deer hunts. Nice. And up on their ranching for wildlife property. And uh, last year, uh, my son actually won the uh, one of them. Really? You know, uh, 
you know, we bid on it in, in the live auction and uh, took him and a friend of his out. How, that, Zach, right? Yep. How Zachary, old is Zach? Zachary's going to be f- uh, 15. So he was 14 when I took him out. Cool. And, you know, we have a great time out in the woods, but he wanted to bring a friend along. And I was encouraging him to mm-hmm. bring somebody that hadn't been hunting before. So uh, he brought uh, he brought Jaden, and um, Jaden hasn't been hunting, but you know been outside. But man, they they just had a blast, and we were not able to fill the cow tag, but he was able to fill the fill the doe tag. Nice, and it was it was truly uh, a remarkable, very cool, remarkable time. So there's there's some great opportunities for the youth and and I'm trying to expand that as much as I can Mm -hmm. you know to to help give them um, meaningful and relatively high success rate Mm -hmm. you know as as we both know being out in the woods you're not guaranteed no definitely not (laughs) but I, I do like the idea of letting them invite someone with mm-hmm. one of their buddies and particular one that does not hunt or wouldn't be introduced to it otherwise right. um, a really good friend of ours um, chad graham um, if you've watched any of the inspired wild or <laughs> inspired wild, if you watch any of the outback outdoors tv shows we do a turkey hunt in nebraska with kids every year and i thought that he made a really good point about he would ask his son cole who was generally into hunting i mean he the, the kid enjoyed doing it um, Chad asked him if he wanted to go shoot or go hunting a couple times and Cole occasionally would respond, you know, hey, I'd rather just go hang out with my buddies. And Chad said, okay, that's fine. But he got to thinking about making time in the field, making the hunt the time that Cole wants to spend with his buddies and kind of merge those together and give give them an excuse to get out there as friends and hang out and just not you know, not allow it to um, kind of progress to where now Cole wants to just hang out with his buddies all the time and not go hunting as as much. Yeah. And just kind of yeah. merge those together. So I think what you did with Zachary, I, I applaud that. That's a yeah. great idea to do it. And it is tough these days. You know, it's not like it was when we were growing up. And, you know, so much of the social interaction nowadays is handled online. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but I do know that it's important and there are scientific studies to show how important it is to get out in the outdoors mm-hmm. and to kind of allow allow nature to um, to influence, you know, clearing your mind and and just reengaging. Yep, I agree. Know. And having said that, you know, there's you know probably ways if we can figure it out of how to engage the youth through through their electronics you know whether it's creating an app you know where where they can uh go on a hunting excursion you know as as buddies you know working together because you know my son might be you know down in the basement on his computer playing uh one of these you know combat games right and the kids are playing with they're all over the country Mm -hmm. you know so you know we can if we can have some bright people uh, that are into that sort of thing, you know, help us figure that that aspect of it out. Merge I think those would, two worlds. Together. It would help. Yeah. It would help reach the the younger crowd. Mm-hmm. And I think 
there's that social interaction part of it, right? Where we're taking away the computer screen, the texting, the ins instant messages, stuff like that. And now it's, you know, more of that face to face. Mm -hmm. And I think there's also lessons that can be learned through struggle and a little bit of misery, which the outdoors is great at dishing out. Oh yeah. And you don't really get that anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I, I think yeah, you, that's a great point. you've been smart about it. You kind of introduce them slowly. You have a little bit of a controlled scenario, mm -hmm. right? But letting like my son Lewis is 11 right now, letting him sit out there. Uh, I took him on a mule deer hunt. He didn't have a tag. I just took him with for my tag. You sit out there for 12, 12 hours a day for four days mm -hmm. in a row and get used to the boredom yep. and not have to be constantly distracted or go out there when it's 15 degrees to start with. Now you're cold, but mm -hmm. it's giving him experience and it's giving him confidence yep. that he knows, okay, I can deal with that. Yep. Like I, I don't have to just quit and walk back. Right. Like there's alternatives to it or heaven forbid, I just have to grind it out, mm -hmm. right? Those are life lessons that he's gonna learn that he's not gonna learn otherwise. Yep. And that is such an excellent point because every single time I go hunting, there's always something that happens that you hadn't anticipated. Yep. Yep. And next thing you know, you gotta figure a way around it or over it or under it. Yeah, it's great problem solving skills yep. for yep. sure. And, and some of it is just sucking it up and dealing with it. You know, it's like temperature wise. Yeah. So how did, how did Zachary respond to that hunt? He enjoy it? Like he wants to continue it? Wants oh to yeah. Yeah. Yep. So his friend things. or, or, or well, Zachary? both. Yep. So, um, this was Zachary's second successful hunt. And, um, you know, each time he, he gets a little bit more engaged and, uh, looking forward to it a little bit more. I know he's got an archery hunt coming up in September. Okay. So, you know, we're going to be spending a lot of time at the, the Golden High Country Archers range right down the road from me. Yeah. And got a hay, uh, hay bales in the back, you know, with some, some targets at 20 yards. So we'll be spending a lot of time, you know, honing our skills. And, uh, you know, it's great father-son time as well. But so he's, he's, uh, he's really looking forward to that mm -hmm. hunt. And then Jaden, his buddy that went on the hunt with him yeah. last time, He's fired up. He's, you know, going to get his hunter safety card. Oh, good for him. And, you know, it's coming to the banquet, and hopefully he'll win one of these hunts. Um, but if not, the area we go in is, I, I believe the cow tags are over the counter, but I, okay. need, to, I need to verify that. So. All right. Would you, or have you, or would you suggest to use this archery hunt kind of as, a, you know, putting like a carrot in front of the horse? With Zachary to say you, you have to practice mm -hmm. you have to practice repetitively here's a goal that you have to reach if you don't meet that goal in proficiency you know or accuracy you just don't get to come oh yeah on the yep you don't or maybe and, you get to come with but you just don't get to carry yeah. your bow I mean would you suggest no, doing something because like that? It act, that actually already happened because I had him out last year right and he started practicing with me a little bit um, but he wasn't that motivated. Let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, um, the outfitter that we're going to be going with, it's guided by one of the people on our committee, okay. uh, Nate Oliver, great guy. And, uh, she called me up and said, Hey, they had a cancellation. Would, 
would Zachary be interested in going on this hunt? Opportunity right there. Yeah, yeah. So he had the opportunity, but because he hadn't spent the time practicing, I had to tell her, I said, ma'am, this, you know, I'm not comfortable with him He's going. He's not ready to go. Because, yeah. you know, we don't want to wound an animal. Mm-hmm. And um, he's just not not to that level yet. Good. Well, I, I mean, that's a great lesson to learn oh, yeah. for life, yeah. for sure. So he was Did he, he, was did he take it to heart? Did he, he start practicing on his own or at least have a, a greater motivation to go out there? Yeah. Yeah. So he's, this year he's motivated to practice and um, he's committed to it. Nice. He's committed to it. Yeah. And Nate sent us some great videos from the hunt from last year mm -hmm. showing you know some uh elk nice on the ground nice. and you know the the outcome of what happens when you you know when you take the time and, and practice and become efficient at at what you're doing cool and of course you know that that's a whole life lesson right it, it teaches you know diligence and hard work pays off mm -hmm. right well, that's very cool we got a Brady's dog came to, to say hi. Big long hair. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, we'll definitely have to check back in after that. I want to hear how he does and, yeah. and see where that's going. Um, why don't we touch on the banquet, give, you know, time and location sure, and how people sure. can get a hold of you or get a hold of tickets yep. real quick. Here. So our banquet is uh, March 28th this year. Doors open at 4.30. And if you want tickets... Uh, Pam Parker is selling tickets. You can call her at 303-913-0363 or email her at Pam, R-M-E-F, Denver, at gmail.com. Or you can just go right on to our, our uh, website, you know, rmefdenver.org, and uh, look at some information there. We've got, you know, a bunch of the hunts that we're... We're okay. going to be having mm -hmm. a bunch of the merchandise, a bunch of the firearms we're going to be raffling off. And you can buy tickets right there online. You can also reserve a room at the discounted rate if you're interested in doing that. So that's March 28th, uh, 4.30, if anybody's interested. They can also email me, you know, Brady, uh, R-M-E-F, Denver, at gmail.com. So B-R-A-D-Y, R-M-E-F, Denver, at gmail.com. And mm -hmm. I'd love to to add you to our mailing cool. list if you're cool. interested in banquet planning or just want to be on the, the list to hear any fun things that are happening in, in the city. And I think it's worth mentioning that unless you've changed it in the last year, you cannot buy tickets at the door, mm -hmm. right? What's, Great. You have to buy tickets ahead of time. When's the cutoff to buy tickets? I believe cutoff is three or four days before the banquet. Okay. So we have to give the hotel, you know, a pretty hard, hard number. Mm -hmm. So that they can start, you know, planning the number of meals and set up and and uh, everything like that. So yeah, great point. Cool. Yeah, don't show up yeah, the day of and show <laughs> expect the. Expect I'd, the I'd hate for anybody to do that. Yeah. Be disappointed. Cool. Well, I appreciate your time, Brady. I think you gave a uh, a great synopsis of what the national chapter does and also how it's funded by the local chapters and the opportunities there. And yeah, I would definitely encourage someone. Um, that might want to be something greater than themselves or part of something greater mm -hmm. than themselves. The Elk Foundation is, is a great organization to Absolutely. be part of. Absolutely, and we, we would welcome any involvement, so please reach out. That'd be wonderful. Very cool. Brady, thank you. Okay. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Garrett.